Hello and welcome to Somerset Stories, the podcast which explores the lives of the people who live, work and create in Somerset. My name's Lewis Webb and each week I get to share the stories of some of the inspiring, creative and successful individuals and families that make this beautiful county their home. As always, your feedback is really important, so if you can leave positive ratings and reviews, it's greatly appreciated. And if you want to get in touch directly, you can email hello at somersetstories.com. My guest this week discovered her twin passions of dancing and photography from an early age. Susie Bird is a photographer who captures pregnancy, newborns, family and dance with a profound authenticity and beauty. From a stunning variety of locations around the county and from her studio in Clevedon, Susie has been helping families and dancers create memories of some of life's most fleeting and intimate moments. We met earlier this month via Zoom to talk about her process, her inspiration and her post-lockdown aspirations. Susie, welcome to Somerset Stories. Thank you for having me. How are you? How, how's 2021 treating you so far? Yeah, I mean, it's been a roller coaster with a bit of an up and then a very big drop quite quickly, obviously because of lockdown um, being introduced. So I started the year kind of kind of expecting a lockdown, but thinking positively and hoping that I'd be able to work for a little bit longer than I was actually able to. Um, I didn't actually manage to do any work because I was off for Christmas. Um, so yeah, so it's it's been interesting, but I feel like we'll kind of all get into the groove of lockdowns now and working out how we work best and everything. So yeah, it's just a bit of a, a bit of a waiting game now, isn't it? You're based up in North Somerset, quite near yes. the coast. How often do you get down to the beach? Um, I'd probably say, well, I live in Nelsey, which is about 10 minutes away from Clevedon where my studio is. And obviously there's a beach there. Um, and we go for walks there every so often. Um, when I'm shooting, I often go to Sand Bay in Western. I do a lot of my shoots there, so I spend quite a bit of time over there. Um, it's been harder in lockdown because it's been so busy along the coastline, so we have actually avoided it a little bit more, um, just because there's been so many people around. But yeah, I love living near to the sea. Um, I love where we live because it's really close to Bristol if you want to get into the city centre and it's equally even quicker to get to the sea. So yeah, we're really, really lucky with where we live. What are your North Somerset recommendations for visitors? As I mentioned, I definitely recommend going to Sam Bay. There's some lovely walks up on the hilltops there, which kind of look like Cornwall. Like they don't look like you'd think North Somerset would look. Um, And then... Yeah, around North Somerset, obviously you've got Bristol, which is amazing. Um, It's really good to have that city kind of so close to us. Um, But yeah, there's just so much countryside, which is amazing for different walks. And there's so many little quaint little villages, like, I don't know, for example, Castle Coombe and places like that, which are only like a half an hour, 45 minute drive from where we are. So really lovely places to visit if you just want to go for like a cute coffee in a cafe. or just meet up with a friend for a little bit. And yeah, there's lots of lovely little places. Um, and we're quite lucky that we have quite a lot of really nice restaurants as well that aren't necessarily big chains too. A lot of people I've spoken to in this podcast have discovered or rediscovered things that are local to them over the last 12 months because we've had to stay a little bit more close to home. Are there any spots that tick that box for you that have become kind of new old favourites if that makes sense yeah definitely do you know what? in in Nelsey actually there's um 
there's a little kind of nature reserve area that I never knew existed. And I've lived here for, what, 26 years now. And I never knew it existed. And now I do half of my photo shoots there. And I literally found it maybe a couple of weeks into the first lockdown when we were suddenly forced to go for walks in our local area and actually explore. And um, yeah, it's this proper little gem that I would have never discovered otherwise. And now it's our go-to place if we're just going to go for a wander. And yeah, as I said, I do loads of shoots there now. So it's been perfect finding that spot right on my doorstep. You said you grew up in Nailsy. Has your family yeah. been based there for a, for a while, for a long time? Yes. Yeah. So um, my parents are here and I've got two sets of grandparents who live in Nailsy and right next door in Backrout as well. So um, yeah, we've got some really like good roots here and I'm a proper home girl. So I love being close to my family. So it's really nice to have them all here. Growing up, was that kind of big extended family? Um, a lot of where you spent your time? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I see my grandparents quite a lot. And actually during lockdown, I've seen them probably more than I did before because they can't go anywhere. So we're more like to pop around for a visit, which has been really lovely. Um, and yeah, just growing up, it was, I've got a brother as well. So um, we spent a lot of time together. I've also got extended family over in Cambridge and over in France. So it's a shame we didn't get to see them more, but yeah, growing up, we'd yeah, spent a lot of time with grandparents and yeah, doing things as a family, which was really good. Who was responsible for the photo albums when when you were growing up? I think it was a mixture of my parents, really. I always remember, especially when we were younger, we used to go, whenever we went on holidays, we would make scrapbooks of, like, memories from the trip, which isn't necessarily photos, but as soon as we look back at them now, they're really lovely to look at, like, the things that we collected and, like, um, you know, little guidebooks, like lollipop sticks, all the kind of things that you think were really insignificant, but as a child, they bring back a lot of memories for you. So yeah, we've been, always been quite a creative family. So um, my mum in particular is really creative and always encouraged that. Um, so yeah, and then we had loads of photo albums and it's always really lovely looking back at them, comparing whether me and my brother look like each other. Um, and especially now that he's got kids as well, it's lovely again to look back at those photos again and see what whether his kids look like he did as a child. Um, so yeah, they're, they're a really lovely part of our family history in photo albums. For me, I remember sitting alongside parents and grandparents, um, you know, flipping through photos of birthday parties, family gatherings, all sorts of, you know, people I didn't know. And actually my young daughters have discovered this with some of our old albums as, as well. Do you have those similar memories? And what is it about that experience you think that children in particular find so compelling? Um, this is actually something that I'm actually quite passionate about because I think having photos around your home, not just in albums, but on the walls as well, is really important because it just, for example, say a child was having a really bad day, um, but children don't know how to communicate that, so they might not always tell you. They might be on their own, but if they look up and they see photos of themselves with their parents, it really shows them how much they're loved and it gives them that extra sense of security and knowing someone's there without even having to talk to someone. And I think that's really powerful um, because yeah, children just find it really hard to get their emotions across. Is that something that you spent time kind of thinking about the, the psychology of it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, more as I've grown up, obviously when I was little, I didn't even, I didn't think about it. Like um, we always had loads of photos around our home. We actually had like a full on, 
collage and when I say collage I mean it's practically wallpapered with like photos going up our stairs at my parents house um for like all our old school photos and everything like that and it, obviously when you are little you just think that's normal but actually looking back it kind of really brings home how powerful photos are um and like seeing photos of me of my cousins that live in France that I don't normally see it kind of just brings that extra connection with family members you're not as close to as well as you know treasuring the memories the ones that you see all the time as well. When did you personally first get into uh, taking photos? It was quite a gradual kind of progression for me I mean you often hear of people who have these like amazing stories where they're like one day I just knew this epiphany happened and it just it was just there whereas for me it was much more gradual I mean we always used to go out to a restaurant whenever it was someone's birthday in my family and my dad had a digital camera and I'd always sit there taking arty photos of forks and whatever the centerpiece of the table was and he'd always be really annoyed because his camera would be full of these just like arty like shots of really random things um so that's where the kind of creativity with it started um and when I was at school it was still quite a new thing to study photography um and I did it at a level but it was like the first year that it was ever actually offered as an a level so it was all quite new um but yeah and then it went on from there really was that were you working with digital or were you working with film for, for the a level we dabbled in a little bit of film um just to kind of cover the basis um but yeah it was mainly digital um I I inherited my dad's camera and used his lenses so I had everything kind of set up already to kind of carry on with digital um but yeah we we experimented with things like pinhole cameras and little bits of film photography um at a level and I did a little bit more of that in uni but mainly I've stayed with digital. So you're not sort of a purist must be film must be analog it's that gets the best results? I'm not but funny you should say that because one of my like lockdown mental like tick lists for this lockdown is that I want to experiment with film photography again um so I'm actually just waiting for some film and a new battery to arrive for my dad's old film camera um because I was thinking like oh I could buy a new one or buy buy an old new one and I was like wait I've got one already that um has actually been sat in my studio looking pretty so I thought I'd actually put it to good use. So I'm hoping to get back into it again. And you said your dad was kind of the one who, you know, had the equipment and was that, that was there available for you to start experimenting with. When you decided that you wanted to pursue photography at A-level and, and then um, at university as well, was that creativity supported by your parents or, or was it kind of a question of, you know, and get a proper job <laughs> no it was never it was never like that they were always so supportive I mean as I mentioned my family's always been really creative um so yeah they always encouraged us to really follow what we are passionate about um and I actually originally was going to go into fashion design I, I really enjoyed textiles at school um and it wasn't until it was year 10 when we had like a week's work experience that we had to do and um, I'd been booked in to do it at a bridal shop, um, you know, learning behind the scenes of all the fashion element. And then it fell through at the last minute. Um, and then we've got a family friend who is a photographer in North Somerset as well. His name's Damien Lovegrove. And he offered me the chance to go to him for a week instead um, because the other one had fallen through so last minute. And that as well was a massive inspiration. And he's also been a big part of 
my journey as a photographer um, and yeah he's really good friends of my dad so they share a lot of interests and um, they've both yeah been massive inspirations. As well as the textiles and the fashion what other forms of creativity did you embrace and experiment with growing up? Um, I've always been quite musical my mum in particular is very musical so she always encouraged that um, with me and my brother so I played the piano and the flute um, so I guess that that's musically creative um, and then I also did art at A-level um, although to be honest I think yeah photography has always been the one thing that I've been like yes I love this and I like I love doing other creative things so sewing you know we we made stuff all the time we did a lot of craft growing up um we were very big on making things we always made birthday cards we would never buy them for people they were always handmade um but yeah photography is the one thing that's really stuck with me that I could do for hours and hours and never get bored of What first interested you about dance? Was that one of the things, again, that you sort of were able to try and experiment and, and see if it was of interest to you? So I've actually always been a dancer. I've danced since I was three. Um, so I guess that should have gone on my list of things that I did to be creative. <laughs> but um, I've always been a dancer um, and enjoyed it, always as a hobby, never as a profession. Um, and then when I went to uni, I went to uni and studied photography for fashion and advertising. Again, still with this kind of mind to go slightly down the fashion route. Um, and it wasn't till my second year that um, I was trying to do fashion photography and my lecturer basically turned around and he was just like, it's not working. Why don't you try doing this idea with dancers? And um, he didn't know that I was a dancer. I was still going home every weekend um, to do dance lessons and to keep that going. So it kind of was just like, he just said the perfect thing. And then I was just like, this makes so much sense. Um, and I was really lucky because I knew so many dancers because I was in that world already um that I was able to experiment to get my friends in to practice and it just went from there really and I never really looked back at the fashion stuff it was just dance is what I want to do this is where I want to go with it this is it was almost just like my two passions really aligned perfectly without me even forcing them to and your friends must have been over the moon that they were getting free photo shoots of, of them doing their uh, performances as well oh gosh yeah my friends loved it and it was, it was really good fun to just, yeah, have that to experiment on. I had like obviously dance shows that I could photograph um, that my dance school put on and all my friends would just be up for me dragging them out into a forest and making them dance around. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna ask about that. You've, pre you've done a lot of location shoots with dancers. Mm. Do you have like a secret map of spots that, that photograph well with certain types of movement? Not really, because I don't really like to go to the same place twice. Um, or if I do go to the same place twice, then I like it to be a, like a year or two later when I've got a really fresh perspective on it. Um, I am much more passionate about turning up somewhere random and then seeing what we can create. I know a lot of photographers like to um, go and recce a shoot location before they actually do a shoot there and, you know, make sure that it's got everything that they need. Whereas I would much rather turn up and wing it because I just find that I create a lot better work when I haven't overthought it. Because um, if you think about something too much, then it's more likely to go wrong. Whereas if you haven't got a thought of what you want it to look like, then it can't go wrong. Um, 
so yeah so I like a mixture of um like urban locations like I love just being like plopped in the middle of Bristol somewhere and just see what we can find um and I've actually got to know Bristol a lot better since doing the dance photography um and the really urban landscapes it's just really fulfilling to just be put in this really concrete grey area and have the contrast of a really strong amazing dancer and just use that combination to create something amazing. Yeah I think looking at your portfolio in, in that space there's some great shots as you say of that juxtaposing the sort of classical elegance of, of a ballet dancer with something like the outside of a neon lit casino which I know you do have. What do you enjoy about taking dance out of you know, the confines of the stage or a studio? It just makes it different. And I think it just shows people that dance doesn't have to be slick back buns and tutus. There's so much more to ballet than just classical, um, stereotypical dancers. Um, and dancers are actually athletes. I think that like goes past a lot of people and they just think they're just pretty. Um, but there's so much more strength and determination and sacrifice behind everything that they do. And I just feel like my photos help to portray that a little bit. As someone who's danced themselves, obviously, what does that add to either the shoot or to your process? It actually makes the world of difference because another thing that's really important when you photograph dancers is getting technique right. Because you could create this image that photographically was absolutely amazing, but if their knee was bent or their foot was sickled, the dancer would not be happy for it to go anywhere. Um, and I always say to dancers that I would never post something that I wouldn't want to post myself. So if technique isn't there, I won't post it. I would take it out of their gallery and not even bother letting them see it because there'd be no point. And I think that really does make a difference and it really helps me work better with dancers to get the best of their ability. Um, and I always say I turn into a little bit of a dance teacher when I am photographing dancers because I'm correcting them, but it's exactly what they need to get the best photos of themselves possible. I suppose the other thing that is probably appreciated quite a lot by uh, by dancers at the moment is, you know, that they're not able to perform on stage in front of crowds, in front of audiences. So the ability to perform in front of a camera over the last 12 months is probably something that, that they will appreciate. Yeah, definitely. And I think um, having a photo shoot, especially as a slightly younger dancer, can be an amazing confidence boost for them because they're only ever used to looking at themselves in a mirror. They're not used to looking at themselves through someone else's eyes. And I get a lot of dancers who look at a photo and they're like, oh my gosh, that's actually me. I'm actually that good. And it, that confidence is something that you need in dance to know that you are good and that you can do it because it is such a tough industry. Um, so yeah, having the photos just really helps them realise their potential. It's probably not lost on you that with these two arts, one is based on constant movement and the other is about capturing that single moment in time. How do you achieve that convergence and how do you convey movement in a static image? Um, when I first started, I used a lot of fabric um, to kind of show where the movement had come from. Um, but as I've kind of grown in my photography, I've stepped away from that a little bit. And it's more about photographing positions that it looks like the dancer is holding it perfectly and perfectly still, but actually it was such a fleeting moment. 
And I think it's something that in particular dancers will appreciate. They'll look at a pose and they'll know that there's no way that that dancer is holding that pose. And that that is a very split second of a movement, but that split second is exactly what everyone is striving to achieve when they do that movement. Um, And it's capturing the essence of why they're doing what they're doing and why they're working so hard. It's almost, yeah, photographing the result of that. Um, And yeah, I mean, there's other ways to kind of signify that there's movement as well, like um, having hair down, so you've got movement in the hair um, and being off balance as well. I think you can kind of tell that that's part of a movement if a dancer is off balance. Um, But yeah, so there's a few different ways there. Because these moments are so fleeting, as you say, there's something that will never be recreated in exactly the same way. Do you feel a buzz when you kind of capture that perfect shot? Yeah, definitely. I mean, sometimes it takes a couple of takes. Um, Sometimes it might take a bit longer. But when you look at an image and you and the dancer are looking at it together and you're like, that's the one, it's just a real sense of achievement for not only me, but for the dancer as well for her to be like, or him to be like, yes, that's that's me at my best, that's perfect, that's exactly what we were aiming for. And yeah, you do get this real sense of achievement that you've captured something that you only imagined before that. More recently, you've been doing a lot in family photography. How did that start? I first started the family photography, um, a similar time to, I started doing more of the dance work because I came out of uni and I was kind of like, right, I'm in North Somerset. Most of the dancers, or so I thought at that time, are in London. I'm gonna need something that's gonna earn me some money, some bread and butter income basically, um, to kind of fund my passion for dance photography. And obviously I chose something really difficult and I chose newborns. Um, So I was kind of been working on developing the newborn stuff along the dance photography for the last five or six years now. And the more more I've worked on it and the more that I've grown up as well and settled down, it's become more and more aligned with, you know, who I am and where I am in my life now. Um, So yes, for something that started out as just a, oh, we'll see how this goes, see if it can earn me a bit of money. It's now actually just as much of a passion, if not more to me than the dance photography is. Pregnancy and baby pictures in particular, they're quite an intimate and transient part of someone's life. It's more about creating memories than taking photos, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's especially those newborn moments, you don't realise how fast they go. A lot of first time parents don't realise quite how drastically their child's going to change. Um, and that a lot of the time you look back and you don't actually remember vividly that time because you're so sleep deprived. It's such a blur kind of recovering after birth and just adjusting to this new way of life with a newborn that, yeah, you don't remember it. And looking back at those photos, you you, you just realise. Um, and I think I always knew that, but I never quite realised it until my nephew was born. And now me and my sister-in-law, we look back at photos and we're just like, we don't remember him like this, but he obviously was. But yeah, it's just, it really brings us back to that time that we honestly would have otherwise forgotten. Um, and I know you can still take photos on your phone and videos and everything like that, but they get lost on your phone. Whereas professional photos go on the wall and you're always gonna remember those and see those. 
Um, and then it's the same with bump photos. I actually um, try and really encourage mums to photograph their bumps when they're pregnant because a lot of the time, all they're thinking about is the baby and the baby being born. But once that baby is born, a lot of mums actually grieve their bumps because they loved being pregnant so much or they might not have loved being pregnant, but still missed trying to remember what that felt like. Um, so yeah, it's just as important to capture baby bumps as it is to capture the baby once the baby arrives. And bump photos are also, they're not only for the mum and the dad, they're also for the baby. So in five years time, when the baby's five and they're like, mum, like, what did I look like in your tummy? If you don't have a photo of that, you're gonna feel really gutted. So I think, yeah, both, both stages of photography are really, really important. With pregnancy photography, there can obviously be challenges in terms of uh, confidence and um, you know not all mums go through pregnancy in the same same way um, mm -hmm. how how do you have to kind of adapt the the style of photography and the way in which you get mums to express their personality on on camera depending on you know how how they are feeling in themselves well we always have kind of a good chat beforehand and I'm quite good at reading people and I'm a very friendly person so people do tend to feel really relaxed when they get to the studio um, I offer them a cup of tea and we have a little chat through outfits and during that kind of little process I can kind of get a good idea of how they're feeling whether they're nervous um, but when it comes to the style of my photography my style is really really natural I really focus on capturing really natural moments that aren't particularly posed um so obviously I would tell a mum how to stand um but I always say that maternity photos are some of the simplest photos ever because it's the perfect time in your life where you have something to do with your hands because you can put them on your bump and somewhere to look because you look down at your bump no other time in your life where you have those two things that are the full focus of the photo when it's just you in it if that makes sense so yeah I think it's just all about setting mums at ease. I have a full wardrobe of clothes at my studio as well. So we have fun playing dress up and seeing what they want to wear. And just, yeah, making sure they're comfortable at all times. Um, some mums like to just wear dresses during their shoot. Some mums like to wear underwear and there's no pressure either way. And I always say to people, these photos are for you, not for anyone else. So even if you did an underwear shot, you don't have to show anybody that shot ever again it can just be for you and in 10 years time you'll probably look back and think that you look absolutely amazing for some parents as you mentioned that the first few days and weeks are they're not just a blur they're actually a really challenging time mm. what's your perspective on the role of photography in uh, i suppose bringing those challenges uh new meaning or or being able to sort of cut through that um, and actually celebrate the the good of of that time. Yeah, I mean it can it can be really difficult for for lots of new parents. And a lot of the time when they come to my studio, it's their first trip out of the house. So I expect them to be late. If a client arrives on time or even early, I'm shocked <laughs> because I never expect them to or put that pressure on them. And once they get to the studio, they can sit back and relax. And it's that perfect little breather where they can just relax with a cup of tea 
and watch their baby and really breathe them in and just appreciate them whilst I'll do, I do all the work. So it's that, yeah, it's a really lovely experience for them. And it just means that you can kind of press pause during all that madness during the first few weeks. You can just take that little break, take that time to kind of just appreciate where you are, even if it's been really challenging. And I think as well, when you then see the photos afterwards, you've got that kind of extra reminder that it's all worth it. Not that obviously you don't look at your newborn baby and know that it's worth it. But for example, if you're having a really tough night and your baby won't stop crying or just wants to feed constantly. I've had mum say to me before that they just sat there and flicked through their photos and it's really kind of brought them a little bit of peace and they've just been able to really appreciate everything that they have even during a really, really tough time. On a previous episode of this podcast, I made some not positive comments about the sort of trend of monthly pictures of babies that you see quite a lot in social, you know, prompted and propped up next to like a chalkboard or a balloon or, or whatever. How do you work to create something that actually has has a real meaning and significance to it and that isn't just following photography trends. Yeah, so this is this is a big one for me too. I mean, there's a lot of photographers out there that I would pretty much describe that they put a baby in a bucket with a fishing rod or something like that. You know, kind of to me that's very old fashioned. It's going to go out of date really quickly. Your child's going to look back and be like, "What on earth did you do to me as a baby?" Whereas I am much more passionate about capturing them just as they are because they don't need any fancy props or any crazy outfits to be amazing. They're amazing just as they are and just going in and capturing them really naturally and focusing on all their little details and their their little squishy lips and their furry ears and backs and just those little kind of things that won't stay around for long. To me, that is way more important than following a current trend. And I think what I really focus on in my work is capturing images that are completely timeless, that the parents can have on their walls forever. And that no matter how many times their color scheme and the house changes, because I mainly shoot on white, their photos are always going to go with a home and they're never going to be shoved in a cover because they don't go with anything anymore. So I'm going to show my age here, but again, thinking back to growing up, there's one picture that we had done as kids. Um, I have three siblings. Um, so we were dressed up in our smartest clothes uh, at a studio. I think we were in front of some kind of fabric sheet. There was probably a fern or a plant or two. Um, <laughs> it's a whole different world now. Um, in terms of not just the, the technology and the ability to, to go digital, but I suppose the aesthetic um, and the availability of, of family photography as, as well. Yeah, I mean, definitely it has changed a lot. And I think a lot of people still kind of think of photography as all looking at the camera and smiling. But that's not what I'm about. I'm more about capturing emotions, capturing relationships and creating something that's more than just a photo that actually has some meaning behind it. Um, and I think just with photography as it is now, we have so much more freedom to be that little bit more creative and actually create art out of your memories rather than just a stiff picture where none of you are actually really looking like you normally do. 
like I know you see these these shoots where people get their makeup done and I, I know I had one with a friend when I was a lot younger and I look at the photo now and I'm just like I never looked like that because I never wore that much makeup and I still don't now um so it's really important to me that people look like recognizable and like they normally do in photos yeah we've actually talked about um recreating that shot at some point um because it is Love so <laughs> cheesy <Iconic>. like <laughs> early 90s uh yeah so you mentioned earlier like the the relationship that you have with the the parents and and obviously when it comes to the the pregnancy side of it that's very mums oriented how often do you find that actually the initiator of the conversation is the dad you'd be surprised more often than not actually i think i've met so many different couples now and you kind of see so many different relationships between them um and I mean when it comes to doing photos probably over half the time it's the mum that's kind of coerced the dad into coming along um but you'd be surprised actually how many dads actually really share that passion for capturing something really sentimental um and I, I love it when I get a dad that's really into it and he's like oh let's try this let's try this I just think it's really refreshing and yeah it is it's really lovely when the dads get involved do you ever get the opportunity to you know show photos that actually unlock or help to release some of the uh emotion that you know some dads might be feeling but actually they're just trying to get through the first weeks of becoming a new parent without you know breaking down too much yeah i mean you always see dads kind of really holding it together for their partners which is amazing um but as soon as you put them next to their newborn they just melt and you just are able to see these really tender moments where they're just, you know, even just holding their toes or like looking into their eyes and you just really see that amazing connection. And to a mum, those photos of her partner with her child are just irreplaceable. And those aren't something that she's going to be able to capture because I, the way that I work, I kind of, make people forget that they're having a photo taken I'm just like you know look at your child breathe them in play with their toes and they get so caught up in that moment they forget that I'm actually taking photos and in if you were doing that at home and you whacked your phone out on your partner they'd probably be like oh don't take a photo of me whereas in a studio it's so so much calmer that you get those really genuine moments and that turns around on the mums as well I know a lot of mums would love their partners to take more photos of them with their babies especially in those first few weeks but dads are often so tired and, and vice versa as well this works both ways that they don't think about it they're just thinking about you know the next feed to the next nap um so it's really really important to me as well that mums get those photos because they're going through such an emotional time that it's almost that little reward that they've got that captured and that they can keep that little moment and like have a record of all those little moments that make up the journey of having a newborn. All families are different and have different stories and you have said you know you want to make sure that the pictures that you take help to to tell those stories. How much do you need to know about background about kind of those relationships and how much do you just need to kind of observe what you see in front of you? 
I mean, there's never a certain amount that I need to know. People never need to tell me anything that they don't want to, but actually I find that I get very close to my clients and by the time they leave my studio, we're not clients, we're friends. Um, and a lot of, you know, their birth stories, their conception stories and everything like that, we we just end up chatting about it. Um, I'm also trained as a postnatal doula. So I'm kind of really aware of actually how much it can help people to talk about their experiences. Um, and I love hearing what people have to say and, you know, their different, their different experiences and everything. And I just find it amazing. And um, I just, I always feel really honored actually when, when people share with me, especially difficult stories. Um, I get a lot of clients in um, with what's called rainbow babies. So those are babies that have um, arrived after miscarriages. Um, and we often do something special to kind of commemorate that during the shoot. Um, so yeah, just little things that, like that. Just I'm just so lucky that I get to be such an intimate part of people's journey rather than just being a photographer. So obviously we're currently in the lockdown, as, as you mentioned. Um, what... Uh, Assuming that there are some uh, some good news pieces on the horizon, what is the uh, what's on on your agenda for the rest of the year? As soon as we're back after lockdown, I'm going to be hectic, busy trying to fit in all the babies that have been born during lockdown. Um, obviously, I've got my studio included at the moment, but I would love to um, find a space where it's not only a studio, but I can hold events for mums and create a really supportive. Um, network of local businesses that are in the newborn industry um, and of local mums as well that um, yeah can create little events and you know retreats and everything like that to just really support women through their fourth trimester because it's such a time that isn't talked about when you're going through pregnancy and birth it's what happens next um, so yeah I'm really passionate about continuing to support people through the next few years after they've had their newborn really and beyond. Susie, we're now going to play Somerset Location or Victoria Novel Character, which is a game where you have to guess whether names that I give you are characters from Victoria Novel or locations in Somerset. Okay. <laughs> how do you, how do you... <laughs> I'm going to be so bad at this. <laughs> of the two, Geography in Somerset or, or Victoria Novels, which would be your strongest? Probably, I don't know. Well, Geography's never been my strong point, so I'd have to say Victoria Novels, okay. but I don't know much about that either. <laughs> <laughs> that is sort of the point. It's, it's, not, it's, it's not really meant to be uh, based on ability. This is more... more gut feel I think yeah uh, so I have eight names uh, and for each of them you need to tell me whether you think they are a place in Somerset or a character from a Victorian okay. novel and your first name is Diggory Venn Diggory Venn I feel like I'm gonna say a place in Somerset because I can imagine a farmer saying it Diggory Venn is a character <sighs> <laughs> from Thomas Hardy's Return of the Native. Oh, there you go. Yeah, sorry, but I, I can imagine the farmer saying it as well. Yeah, it rolls off the tongue quite nicely, it doesn't does. it? So. It does, it mm. does. 
Your next name is Hinton Charterhouse. Um, Victorian character? Hinton Charterhouse is in Somerset. Oh, do you know what? I should have gone for the other option, shouldn't I? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not just it's not just back and forth. I'm not. They're not alternating. <laughs> so, uh, all right. So none right so far. No. But there's six more. So not six. all is not all is lost. <laughs> Your next name, Thorn Coffin. Victorian character. Thorn Coffin is in Somerset. I'm gonna get number right. Near <laughs> so you've had three so far, and still to still to get off the mark. But that's okay. It's <laughs> all right. Still got a few left. Your next name is Letty Garth. Victorian character. You're correct. Yes. <laughs> that was a total guess. <laughs> Letty Garth is a character from George Eliot's Middlemarch. Ooh. There we go. Your next name is Wackford Squeers. Let's go for a place in Somerset because that would be pretty cool. It would be cool, but it's not. Uh, uh, Wife Squiz <laughs> is a character from Charles Dickens' Nicholas Nickleby. I bet some people will listen to this and be like, duh. Well, if they've just read Nicholas Nickleby, maybe. But yeah. uh, I've only picked minor characters, so they'd have to know the book pretty well. Okay, that. that makes me feel better then. All right, your next name is Lopen. Let's go for Victorian character. Lopin is in Somerset. <laughs> Although I think most of these are not close to you. No. So never they're heard all of them. they're all sort of southish Somerset. Yeah, because like from South Somerset to North Somerset, it's actually quite far. It is quite far. Yeah. And there's no there's no straight roads. No, so. exactly. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this is basically getting to Lopin from you is is essentially you know, it's like going to the Midlands. For, for, yeah, from now on. It'd be a good few, couple of hours, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, good. Right. Your next name, Minna Fontaine. Victorian character. It is a Victorian character yes. from Wilkie Collins' novel Jezebel's Daughter. I feel like I'm mildly, that mildly rang a bell. Okay. So last name, Susie. This is this is okay. to get from two to three. <laughs> Your last name is Chelston Heath. Place in Somerset? It is a place in Somerset. Yes. It's down near Wellington. <laughs> Even further for you to get to. <laughs> yeah. Well, the only reason why I guessed that one because I thought of Hampstead Heath. And I'm like, well, Heath is a place somewhere, so... <laughs> that is true, yes. So you got three. I'm pretty impressed I got three, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> All, all of those Somerset places are, are now, uh, you know, potential locations for your, for your exactly. shoots. Exactly, you know, yeah. New places to explore in the county. Definitely. Susie, before we go, where can people find out more about you, about your photography, about the work that you're doing? Um, so I'm quite active over on Instagram. Um, I have two different accounts. So for my baby and family photography, which is where I post the most, I'm at Susie Bird Photo. So that's S-U-Z-I, bird as in the animal and photo. And then for my dance photography, it's very similar. It's just Susie Bird Photographer on Instagram. Um, and you can find my work over at sunlightportraitstudio.co.uk and the same on Facebook. Susie, it's been a delight talking to you. Thank you so much for your time. That's all right. Thank you for asking me to be here. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Somerset Stories. You can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to get in touch, you can find us on Instagram at Somerset Stories or email hello at somersetstories.com. See you next time.